Glad you're here this morning. I don't know what it is about grown men tackling each other and giving each other concussions that makes me so giddy, but I'm so happy. It's NFL football time. Oh, oh yeah. She's watching with me. She's addicted. Glad you're here this morning, especially if you're visiting with us. Glad you chose to be here. I've been praying for you this week and got lots of things to say today. I'm really excited about what God has to say, and I want to jump right into it this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to do what we do every week, and that's just kind of get some perspective on your life, take a deep breath, um, and allow God to speak into your life today. Um, There are... Hey, guys. Sorry. Glad to see you. Um, There are... uh, You know, there are lots of ways you can kind of get perspective on life, um, but uh, what we believe around here is the best way to get perspective is, is to go to the Creator, the one who made you and who knows how many hairs you have on your head, um, and just uh, kind of take a deep breath and be ready for Him to speak in your life today. I got something to say today that uh, may be less um, on the step on your toes than I've been doing, which might, uh, might come as a shock to you. Um, but at the same time, I, I think what we're going to do today is get an idea of stepping back, looking back and saying, what is it that we're doing? What is it that we're headed? Last week we talked about as Christians what we're headed towards and what the goal, the end game is. And today we're talking about what is it that makes us different? What is it that sets us apart? What is it that makes our lives different? Um, those who follow Jesus. It's not because we're good. I can tell you that. Um, and we're, uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But I want to give you a chance to take a deep breath. I need it too. Um, and uh, we'll just bow our heads, a little bit of quiet, and then I'll pray for us and we'll jump right in today. God, right now we stop to put things in our lives in perspective. The stress, the bills, the anger, the frustration, anything that we have that is taking over our lives, God, we stop and pray that you would help us get perspective. In the room today, there's everything from anxiety to depression suicidal tendencies to elation and happiness and excitement pregnancy that's coming to an end there are new beginnings in the room today and there are broken endings in the room today and then there's stuff all in between and we give it all to you today we're reminded in this moment that you're in charge of all of that you see outside of time, outside of our lives, and we would be foolish to follow anyone but you. So we choose it now. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, if you haven't been here for the last few weeks, I want to encourage you to go out to ParagonNewLifeCC.com. Um, um, you'll see it on your bulletin. It's our website. It's getting better all the time. We're really working to make sure that it gets updated and gets cleaned up. But right now, we've got all the sermons out there from this series and from our last series. If you haven't heard these, these sermons, you need to because they kind of set up today. Um, but just to give you a quick recap, 
Um, we are in a series called Connected, and it's about what God wants from us. It's about what Jesus wants from us. If you're visiting with us, if you're, if you're kicking the tires on Jesus, or maybe if you've been faking it, maybe you've been faking the Jesus thing, and you, people think you're, you care and that you believe, but you really, you're not, and you're just, you think you're the only one in the room who really doesn't. By the way, you're not, okay? Um, it's, it's more prevalent than you would believe. And if you feel that way, you can take a deep breath this morning, because the first people that followed Jesus... The very first people that followed Jesus, we are constantly trying to find out what they thought, how they felt, what they were doing, because they got to follow him while he was on earth. It was really important. But these first people that followed Jesus were unbelievers and sinners, broken people, messed up people, and people who weren't believers in Jesus. They didn't believe who, that Jesus was the Son of God. They followed him for other reasons. And so if you're here today, you need to know that following Jesus isn't for good people who believe in him. Okay? Now, there are some good people who are trying to be good in here and people who have believed in Jesus for a long time and are trying every day. It is for us. But it's not, for those, it, it's not just for those who have been following for a long time. Actually, following Jesus requires this beginning of just uh, I'm a messed up person who just wants a better way of living my life. And that's, that's the, the, the air of the people who follow Jesus. Now, here's the thing. We, the religion, those who are involved in religion, we've learned this over the last couple of weeks, those who are involved in religion, religion says this. It says, change who you are, everything about you, change who you are, and then you can join us. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, join, follow me, join us in trying to do better. Follow me and you will change. You see the difference there? It's a huge difference. And I believe that God is absolutely pained by the message of religious people, people that claim to be following Jesus. He is pained by those who say, change and follow us, follow Jesus, because it is not the message of Jesus. So we've been very clear about that through this. We're also very clear that Jesus made, we talked about this last week, at the, at the end of his ministry especially, he said, guys, you want to know why I'm here? You want to know what you're following? Because you should. I mean, we're, if we're going to follow, if we're going to try to get connected with God, we should know why. Jesus said there's lots of good reasons. It, one of the reasons is to be a better person. But that's not the main reason. In fact, following Jesus, some of the best people I know are Jesus followers. Now, some of the worst people I know. Jesus followers. <laughs> but, so, but if you actually follow Jesus, not just pretend, not just do a list of things, but if you actually follow the life the way that Jesus intended for life to be lived and follow the way he lived his life, it makes you a better individual. It makes you a better dad, a better wife, a better husband, a better employee, a, just a better neighbor, a better human being. Have you ever met somebody and you go, in, just in your head hopefully, but you just go, you're just not a very good human, you know? Like you're just mean, and for no reason, and you don't care, and you're so selfish, and you, hopefully you don't say that out loud, but there's a sense where you go, man, I, I don't want to end my life like that, you know, I, and the truth is, if you follow Jesus, you'll be a better person, but that's not the reason Jesus said follow him. It's interesting. In fact, you might think the reason that you follow Jesus is for heaven. If you do, you should listen to the sermon last week. We talked about this. Jesus didn't come and say, come follow me because I want you to go to heaven. Now, that's one of the things you get if you follow Jesus. But that's not why Jesus said, follow him. He said, follow me because I want to produce in you faith in your creator that will overcome all of your fears. 
Is this a different message than you've heard in your life? We've messed up the message of Jesus so much. But this is over and over and over the message of Jesus. I remember when I was a kid, I, heard, I used to hear Christians say, well, you know what, I know your life is hard right now, but you just, you just got to put your head down and get through it because the promise of Jesus is heaven. And that's not the only promise of Jesus. The promise of Jesus is if you follow me, I will lead you to a faith in God that is unreasonable, that is ridiculous. In fact, Jesus says it's a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that people look and go, where did that come from? How could you possibly sing a song called Hold On in the midst of that? Jesus says, if you follow me, yeah, you'll be a better person. That's like an extra. Yeah, you'll get to go to heaven, and that's almost even an extra. But you'll get here on earth a peace that passes understanding. You'll, if you follow, if you really follow, you'll have a faith that overcomes fears. And so what we've realized is throughout our time, and, and you'll, you'll agree with me here, you can tell a lot about who somebody is following by what they're dressed like. Can you not? Look at this. Check out this next slide. <laughs> Who's he following? The Green Bay Packers, right? The cheesehead. If you don't know that, you're not an NFL football fan because you see this at every Packers game, all right? No question, this dude looks like he's following the Packers, and he is. Okay, now next one. Check this out. She's a Colts fan, right? No question, if you go to the game today and you see that, you know she's not following the Raiders, right? She is a Colts fan, no question. Now check this out. This is a little harder. These are Muslims. We know that they're followers of Muhammad. They are, the prophet Muhammad is who they follow. We can tell by looking at them that they follow Muhammad. It's a, it's a dress, it's a garb they wear. How about this one? Have you seen this? These are Hindus, and they follow Buddha. We can tell by the way they dress. If you walk down the streets of New York City, you're going to see this. If you walk down the streets of a, of a big city, you're going to see people dressed like this. When you see them dressed like this, you go, okay, they're following Buddha. Okay, how about this one? This is one you may have not heard of. This is uh, Sikhists. Um, Sikhism is the fifth largest religion in the world, and it is growing incredibly quickly. And they have ten gurus that they follow. And anytime you see this sort of address, they're probably following those ten gurus. Now, the question is today, if you're a Jesus follower, what do you look like? What do you wear? Now, you didn't think you were coming today to get fashion advice, did you? But that's the question. What do you wear if you're Christian? Tie-dye. <laughs> Rick Finney. <laughs> Tie-dye. You know what? When I was, a, when I was in high school, um, we, uh, you'll notice you'll never see on me. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't judge you if you've got one on right now. But you'll never see me wearing a Christian T-shirt. Because I sold them in high school and they annoyed me to no end because the people who bought them always had this attitude that I'm going to show people who I am by my t-shirt. And it's not the intent. Jesus said, that's not how people know you're a Christian. That's not, it's not about what you wear. Now, the truth is I love some, especially the newer Christian t-shirts are better than they ever were. They used to just be mean when I was selling them in high school. And, but some people feel like that if I'm a Christian, I should wear a shirt that says that has a cross on it or that says something about Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that, but that doesn't say that you're a Christian. So what is it that distinguishes us from other followers? And Jesus was very clear about this. 
And Paul, a man named Paul was very clear about this. I absolutely love this study because I love the man, this guy Paul. If you're not familiar with the Bible, if you've not been around the Bible, I'm going to tell you a little bit. This guy Paul, his name was not Paul when he was born. His name was Saul. And he was born Saul of Tarsus. Now, now here, look, check this slide out. Now, what this slide is, this is, this is what some people feel like being a Christian should look like, right? Or, worse yet, this. If, if you've never seen that before, um, you've probably not been out of Paragon very much, but this is, this is everywhere. And some people believe that signs, holding signs saying God hates you is what Christians look like. The truth is, a man named Paul has some advice about this. He speaks directly to this. This guy named Paul, his name, he was born Saul. His name was Saul. He hated Christians. So if you're here today and you secretly hate Christians, you and Paul are on the same page at some point in his life. If you secretly have this frustration with people who have judged you in your life, who have pushed you away from God in your life, then you have a lot in common with this guy. This guy hated Christians so much that his mission in life, he was a zealot, his mission in life was to kill all the Christians he could find, and not just kill Christians, it was to kill the entire movement. He wanted the movement gone. And in the midst of killing the movement, in the midst of trying to find all the Christians, he called himself a Christian hunter. (laughs) He, you know, there are some hunters who are really good at it. He was really good at hunting Christians. That's what he did. And in the midst of that, guess what he became? A Christ follower. It's one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. I absolutely love this guy. He became a Christ follower. So he became this Christ follower, and he became, what I love about it is he, be, he was the same zealot that he was before. Now, instead of killing Christians, he was making Christians. He was going out sharing, or he was going out, and part of the reason you sit where you, today, where you do today is because of this man. In three years... Paul, after he became a Christian, he would get on this ship that, by the way, you and I wouldn't step foot on. This thing was so rickety and such a piece of junk. He would get on this ship and go from city to city to city, starting new churches. And then after he started the churches, he would write these letters to them, keeping them going in the direction. Because here's what we do at church, and here's what we do, those of us who follow Jesus, and I see this happen all the time. You come, you get baptized, you become a, a, a Jesus follower, and you're really excited, you're really on fire, and what you're on, excited about is the feeling inside. You're, you're excited about the relationship that you have with your Creator. But then we drift into religion, which is about rules and rituals. Nothing wrong with rules. Nothing wrong with rituals. But when we make them the point, we drift into being something that God never intended for us to be. And it happened to these churches as Paul created them. And when he created these churches, he would send them letters and say, man, I'm hearing rumors that you guys are talking like this, that you're doing this, that you guys are bad-mouthing each other. It made Paul really mad when people inside the church talked about each other. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. There might be a little stepping on a toes today, now that I think about it. But he, he, said, he said, I'm going to write you these letters. And so what we have is a whole bunch of letters, and that's what the New Testament is. A lot of the, after we get through the Gospels, is this man named Paul writing to different churches in different cities. In, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, this is Paul's letter to the a church that he planted in a place called Colossae. It's a place um, that was close to Ephesus. Um, which was a really big, bustling city, not so much today, um, but it was a big, bustling city at the time. And Colossae, he planted a church, and he noticed that these people that were in this church were now fading away. They were drifting from the intent of Jesus, and they were following away. And so he says this, Therefore, 
As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with... Okay, now before we get there, I want to... I want to go into Jesus' life. But I want you to know there that I'm going to tell you today exactly what you're supposed to wear. I'm going to tell you, if you're following Jesus, this is follow wear. If you went to the Christian website, this is what you could buy and wear. Okay, Let me tell you what it is today. But first, I want to get you into what Jesus said about this. Jesus is with his group of, of friends, and they've been following him, like we've been talking about. They've been following him for a long time, and these disciples have followed Jesus everywhere he goes. And they come to a point where at first he would say, follow me, and they'd be like, yeah, how far are we going? <laughs> you know, and they, they'd follow, and then they'd saw him, these miraculous things. They saw him be a different kind of person. They, they would see him, and they would go, I want to live like that. I want to be like that. I want to be associated with that. Have you ever been around somebody like that? Where you just go, I, I wish I could follow them around a little bit because I just want to live like that. I want to feel like that. I want to be like that. I want to look like that. I want to be that kind of a person. And that's what happened. The more they were around Jesus, the more they followed him, and the more they followed him, the more they wanted to follow him, and the more they wanted to follow him, the more they would follow him anywhere. And so they come to the end of Jesus' life. They don't know that it's the end of Jesus' life, but he does. He's 33 years old, and he says this. He's got them all sitting around, and he says, my, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. And these disciples are like, no, wherever you go, we're going. You can't go anywhere we're not going. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Something new I'm going to tell you. Now, if you're, I'm going to pause right here. If you're sitting today and you feel like you've heard it all in your life, you feel like you've listened to every Tony Robbins CD there is, you have read every book, you've watched Oprah, you've gone through all the things, and there is nothing in your life that will lead you to what you're looking for. I want you to know you're not alone, but there is a new thing. There is something that works. And Jesus says, I have something new to share with you, something the world doesn't understand, something that has never been really done before on earth. And here's the command for you. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. And the disciples go, What's new about that? Don't we, isn't that what we do? Isn't that who we are? Don't we make romantic movies about this? Isn't this what chick flicks are all about? Love one another? Isn't this, this isn't new. But then Jesus keeps going. And he says, love one another as I have loved you. That's how you love one another. And they sit there and go, now let me think about that for a minute. And Jesus probably, it doesn't say it in the Bible, but my guess is Jesus looked at Matthew. And he said, hey, Matthew, you remember when I met you? Remember what you were doing? Oh, how could I forget, Jesus? I was the worst of the worst. I was in the gutter. I thought if I ever wanted to be anywhere near you, I would have had to make all these changes first. But you came to me and you said, Matthew, come follow me right now. And I went, who, me? And you said, yeah, you. And we're going to your house today and we're going to eat at your place. And I've been following you ever since. And I imagine Jesus looked at Matthew and said, hey, what did I ask for from you? Matthew said, absolutely nothing. Just follow and have I loved you, Matthew? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything. Why did you love me? I don't know why you love me. And Jesus goes, that's how I want you to love people. But Jesus, shouldn't we love people when they love us? Yeah, absolutely. You love your family. But that's not what I'm asking. This is a different command. This is a different thing. This is a whole different thing. See, the whole world loves people who love them. That's not hard. Don't even feel good about that. That's easy. I'm telling you, 
Those who don't love you, you go love them first. Oh, and then they love us, Jesus? I don't know. doesn't matter. So you want me to go and love somebody, take care of them, give them stuff, do stuff for them, and never expect anything back? Yes. Wow. And then Jesus probably went over to Nathaniel and said, Hey, dude, you remember where, what you said when you first met me? Yeah, I do. I expect he's doing this. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you, go ahead and say it. What did you say when you first met me? He, I said, nothing good can ever come out of Nazareth. And Jesus said, yeah, that's exactly what you said. You dissed me, you dissed my family, you dissed my city. And what did I say to you? Follow me. Yeah, follow me. Now, why would I ask you to follow me? There's no good reason. You should have pushed me away. You should have told me all this stuff. You should have told me off right there in front of all those people. Why? So that's how I'm supposed to love other people. Yeah. Not expecting anything? No. But what if? It doesn't matter. But she did it. I don't care. But what if I do this? And what if she does that? It doesn't matter. I don't want you to just love other people. The whole world does that. We make movies about that. I want you to love for no reason. It's a different thing. He says this, by this, not by your Christian t-shirts, not by John 3.16 plastered on you, not by signs that said God hates you, which I don't even know how that became part of what we do. Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you follow me, that you're my disciples. Disciples are people who follow me. If you love one another the way I love you. Simon Peter asks, I love this, Peter's like totally lost. And this is where you'll be this morning. I reminded when I'm reading this this morning that this is where you and I get with this. We hear love one another and we go, yeah, I know, I know. Love, 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 love. Move on, preacher. That's what the disciples are doing too. And I want to stop you right now because I know that's what you do. That's what I do. Love one another, love one another. We're supposed to love people who don't love us. I don't care, whatever, keep going. Peter looks at Jesus and goes, look what Peter says. Peter goes, Okay, yeah, 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 Lord. Where are you going? <laughs> Do you see that? Jesus said, I'm going somewhere you can't go. I'm going to heaven you can't. And then he goes into this, and Peter's like, I didn't hear any of that love stuff. I, I just want to know, where are you going? And you've got to think, Jesus is going, what? I'm telling you the whole point of why I'm here and what your job will be. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you can't follow now, but you'll follow later. Don't worry about it. That's not the point. I'd like to say to my Sunday school teacher when I was in college that the point of us being here is not preparing for heaven. It's not just waiting on heaven. Jesus says, Peter, you'll go. You're going. You'll follow me. But that's not the point. The point is for you to be different while you're here. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? And, Jesus, and he says, I would lay down my life for you. And Jesus says this, will you really? That's my question to you. Will you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. I love one another as Jesus loves us. Move on, John. Say something else. Do something. Jesus says, will you really? If you'll really. If you'll really today, if you'll really walk out of here, and I have some real practical ways for you to do this today, if you'll really walk out of here, you'll get the scowl off of your face by tomorrow morning. It will be gone. 
If you really walk out of here, you'll have a different perspective on the issues going on in your life. If you really walk out of here and say, I really will lay down my life, I will live differently, I will really follow, not pretend to follow, not read my Bible and think that's following, not write something in a journal and think that's following, not read a good book and think that's following, not tell somebody a scripture that I memorized and think that's following Jesus. I will actually really put on a different way of living my life, and when I do, it will change everything. And if you don't today, I will pray with you next week about your depression and your anxiety and your frustration. I will pray about your bills. I will go through this stuff with you, but I won't be surprised because it's not the way we're intended to live. Okay, all that to say now, I'll go back to Paul's version. Next slide. Well, before I get there, that's right, that's why I have slides. Because here's the problem. It's so easy for us to get discipline and discipleship mixed up. So easy for us to think that following Jesus is about the spiritual disciplines, and it's not. Those things help us, but they do, that's not what this is about. See, the gravitational pull, I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget to say this, the gravitational pull of all religion, and you're in a religion whether you want to be it or not. We're trying not to be religious, but the Christianity is a religion, and you're in it. And the gra- gra- gravitational pull of all religions, every face that I showed you earlier, every religion that's ever been created, pulls toward keeping rules rather than building relationships. Every religion. If you just drift, if you just show up on Sunday and hope something changes in you differently, you will drift into rule keeping and rituals. And that's okay. You can, rituals and rules are great and you should keep the rules and do all the rituals. But they aren't the point. Because here's the thing. It's easier to obey rules. See, as long as the most important thing in my religion is to obey the rules, I can obey them and still hate your guts. As long as, it's, as long as I'm just obeying rules, as long as all I'm doing is checking off a list and it's just between me and God, then I can hate you if I want to. But Jesus says, this isn't that kind of religion. Jesus says, don't ever replace some sort of routine, ritual, or rule-keeping with loving people. Don't ever miss the point. And then Peter goes, where are you going? <laughs> now, Check this out. Now we'll get into what Paul says. 22 years later, 22 years after Jesus told his disciples that, Paul writes this to the Colossians. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with this, compassion, kindness, humility, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. and Forgive each other. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Have the Lord forgive you because you forgave him? Nope. Because you did something for him? Nope. Because you deserve to be forgiven? Nope. And all of these virtues, over all of these, like the umbrella over all of these, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So here's what I want to do. I want to dig through these just a little bit this morning. Jesus says this. He says, if you want to follow, this is where you're headed. You're going to look like this. This is what you're going to wear. You're going to put this on. And I I, I think that some of you are here today, and I know that those who are listening online today, there are many people who feel this way, that they have run into naked Christians before. 
I was going to call this sermon Naked Christianity, but <laughs> thought some people might get the wrong idea. I think some, some, part of the reason that there are people that aren't here today who need God desperately is because they've run into naked Christians. Christians who forgot to clothe themselves like this. They've read their Bible. Some people here and some people listening today and some people at the Mexican restaurant in town that will never darken the door of a church don't read their Bible because all the people that they know who know the most about the Bible are the meanest people they've ever known. There's some people that will never darken the door of this church because every church member they've ever known is the meanest, darkest, grossest person they've ever met in their life and they would never want to be anything like them and they don't want anything to do with them. And if you're one of those people, I want you to know today, if, you, if I or any of us or anyone in the church has done that to you or you have seen that, it is not a representation of the one we're following. It's because we've messed it up. He says, clothe yourselves with these things. And here's what I want you to do, very practically. I want you to commit this tomorrow morning. If you're a Christian, absolutely want you to commit to this, even if you're not today. These are things you can do without any kind of religion attached to them. You don't have to believe in Jesus to do this. You'll notice, you'll see exactly what it does to you when you do. Check this out. The first thing he says is clothe yourself with compassion. The word compassion in Greek is not the same word we use. When we use the word compassion, we sound something like this. Aww. Compassion is the way we describe it when we see a three-legged dog walking down the street. Aww. That's not the word that Paul used. The word that Paul used is really gross. You know when we say this? We say, I love you with all my heart. What this word, this compassion means is, I love you with all of my bowels. It's gross. Try that saying that to your wife tonight. Honey, I love you with all my bowels. Please don't. But that's what this word means. I, because when, when I feel something deep in me, I don't feel it in here. I feel it here. Don't You know that, that, those of you who have anxiety, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You feel it. It's like deep. Paul says, if you get up every morning and you say, God, today, I don't want to feel sorry for somebody. I want to look at them and feel what they feel. Do you know what the word is in Greek? This is one of my favorite words. Actually, it is my favorite word in all the, all the Greek language. The word is splachna. Yeah, you just spit all over you. It's awesome. <laughs> it's a gross word because it's a gross thing. The word splachna was used when somebody would describe somebody who had been stabbed with a sword and stuff came out. What came out? Splachna. I know this is gross, but I want to tell you what compassion means. It doesn't mean, oh, look at that three-legged dog. It means what's inside of me is coming out because I am so deeply brokenhearted for you. You know what you can't be when you have splachna, real splachna? You can't be anxious. You can't be depressed. You can't have those two things at the same time. Did you know that? If you have this real compassion inside you, you are so consumed with the other person and what they're feeling that your depression, your anxiety, your frustration, your stuff takes a break. See, this is not just about the person you're in front of. This is about you too. Jesus says this is best for everyone. So the first thing he says is Christians wear splachna. They look different. When, when something happens, when something goes, when you watch the news and you see what's going on in Syria, 
If you have clothed yourself with splachna, your first reaction is not, man, I hate our government. It's, look at the brokenness. Look at the people. Look at the life that is represented here. Okay, I've got that enough. The second is kindness. He says, if you want to follow Jesus, this is where you're headed. You're headed to be a kind person. And when we think of kindness, again, in English, kindness is, oh, you did something nice for me. You picked that up. I dropped it. You picked it up. You're so kind. That's not the idea of kind here. Let me tell you what the idea of kind is. The idea of kind in the Greek language was that you have loaned me something out of your strength that I don't have. It is, you have taken something from you and given it to me, and here's the key, with no strings attached. It is not kind to give somebody a $20 bill and call them every other day asking them where it is. That's not kindness. That's a bank. <laughs> kindness is giving something with no strings attached. Let me, let me just give you a real-life example of what kindness is. Yesterday... My family and I visited Lake Edgewood um, for one of the kindest days I've had in a long time. The Stegies invited us up to this lake, and it's just, it's a dream. It's heaven for us. They get to have it all the time, but for us, it was just a little glimpse of heaven. We got to sit on this dock, wind just blowing perfectly through our hair, and the next thing I hear is, how would you like to have your favorite thing in the world for dinner? I can't afford sushi. I just can't. You go out to eat. Those of you who don't like sushi, just substitute that for ribs or whatever you do love, okay, in this story. Sushi for me, it doesn't get any better. Hand-rolled, homemade sushi. Labor of love yesterday. I sat at the table, and my first reaction when I sat at the table, and these guys were all there, they know, my first reaction was, who do I owe? I mean, I, I actually said, we need to put a bucket out here and pay because sushi is expensive. I mean, Kelly's out there in the sun just rolling this stuff, and just it's an amazing thing. And I sit down, and I say, who do I owe? Because I'm not used to that kind of no-strings-attached thing. It's not the way the world works. It's not normal. You don't do that for somebody unless you're following. And when you do, there's an air that is different. And I don't want to embarrass these guys today, but I, I want you to know that this is a real tangible thing. This is a real life, real thing that you can do right now. You can start heaven. You can start that feeling of, there's just this feeling we had on the deck, and it didn't have much to do with the weather. It was perfect. It didn't have all that much to do with the company, which were great. It ha, there's just an, an extra tangible thing that happens when you give of yourself with no strings attached. You owe nothing. Wouldn't it be cool? You've got something, something that you can give that way. And somebody in your path today needs it. Can you give it with no strings attached? That's what kindness is. Humility is looking at somebody and saying, I see you as my peer. No matter who I am, no matter what I'm doing, no matter how much better I am at this than you are, or no matter what, I see you. What makes me special is not how much money I make. What makes me special is not what I do or how smart I am or how cute I am. Good thing. <laughs> what makes me special is not this, 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 or this. What makes me special is the same thing that makes you special. The creator of the universe knows how many hairs you have on your head. And we're in the same special group. And there is no difference between us. But this is something you have to keep each other accountable to. And Paul says this, gentleness. 
is on that list. This is something else you put on. Gentleness is when you walk up to somebody. This is the way the Greek language talks about the word gentleness. This is a little different than you just being, you know, um, quiet. I used to think of gentleness as the woman who used to work at the marsh counter when I was growing up. You'd say, hey, I'll have ham. And she'd go, you want like that sliced? Would you like it not sliced? And that's not what gentleness is. Gentleness is extreme strength that you've controlled. It's like the difference between picking up a baseball and a contact lens. I can pick up a baseball with my right hand and I can pick up a contact lens with my left hand. I don't pick them up the same. With a contact lens, I take the tip of my finger and I pick it up. It's the same strength I have. I can pick up a lot heavier or a lot stronger things, but I change my approach based on what's in front of me. This is what gentleness is. And this is how it applies itself. And this is a huge problem for me in my life. I'm working on this every day. But some of you have seen it, and you won't admit it, but it's because you love me. But what, what happens is you get into a conversation, and immediately your brain goes to, this happens with Terry and I all the time. Terry and I love to play golf. And when we see each other, it's the first thing we talk about, golf. And if I'm not careful, my initial reaction is, I want to hear about Terry's golf game. And as soon as he starts telling me about his golf game, you know what I want to do? I want to think of a time where I shot lower, and I did better. I do. It's in me. It's human nature. And if I'm talking to my uncle, who's a preacher, and he says, I said, hey, how was church today? My initial reaction is, I want to know how his sermon went. I want to know. He says, we baptized three people. I go, well, what Sunday was it we baptized five? (laughs) It's this competitive thing in me. It's this thing in me, and it's real, and it happens. And it may not come out like that, but what it comes out is, it comes out with me nodding at Terry going, yeah, 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 get get your story over because I got one that's better. (laughs) Now, what gentleness is, Paul says, if you want to look different, if you want to be different, if you want your world to feel different than it does right now, then when you talk to Terry, you suppress everything in you. It is not about me. My relationship with you is more important than you being impressed by me. That's what gentleness is. Even if I did shoot lower than Terry, and I didn't last week, even if you are better, even if you think or you really are smarter, you are more beautiful, you are this, it's you repressing it, you stopping saying, you are more important to me, your relationship with me is more important than you being impressed by me. This happens with our kids. We do this with our kids, we're so dumb. We do it with our little, wonderful kids. When they tell us a story about something they did great on the baseball field, we have to think, men, about when we were 12 years old and the double play we turned. Why can't you celebrate with them and leave your own successes behind you? That's what gentleness is. And when you do it, it will change who you are and it will change other people around you. Patience. It's the last thing he says. Patience, Paul says, is is a huge part of this. And you know what patience is? It's not just waiting, tapping your toe. I used to think that's what patient was. Come on, honey, we're going to be late. (laughs) Tapping my toe. I've I've practiced that. (laughs) That's not patience. Patience is giving the attitude in the air that you are worth waiting for. I've lost my patience with you kids today. No? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to step back a minute because it's not about me. And you're worth getting through this with. You're worth, I know that you have done this to me over and over and over again and you seem to have the same problem over and over again in your life and I'm so tired, I've lost my patience with you. No, it's I know you keep dealing with this thing and you are worth however long it takes for me to wait and love you through it. Okay, so there they are. 
Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. That's what you wear. And here's where I want to end today. Because this, if you do this in your life, you will make an impact, a difference. Here's what Jesus didn't come to do. If you've been asleep, wake up for a second because this is the end of the, this is the point, okay? Jesus did not come to make a point. Did you know that? If Jesus were here, he probably wouldn't even have a Facebook account. And most of the Christians I know use Facebook, or a lot of the Christians I know use Facebook to make points. Here's what I want to say, and it's the most cowardly way to say it because you can't say anything back to me face to face. No risk at all to me. I'm just going to put it out there and then act tough about it. We, we want to make points. And a lot of the Christians I've known in my life have been about making points. They think it, we should make a point around the courthouse. We should make a point at the school system. We should make a point. No, Jesus did not come to make a point. He came to make a difference. And guess what? This next picture, this picture does not make a difference. It makes a point. And it is not who we're called to be. We're not called to make points. You know what makes a difference? That. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. You tired of your kids being jerks? Tired of your in-laws and your spouses being selfish? Stop making a point and do something about it. You change who you are. You change the way you live your life. It will change your environment. It makes a difference. And that's why Jesus said before he left this earth, this is who I want you to be. You love the people around you, not just like they love you, but like I love you for no reason, expecting nothing in return. And when you do, it will change you and everyone around you. Band, you guys can come up now. Here's my challenge to you today, is to clothe yourself with these things. Write them down. They're going to be on, on, on the uh, church Facebook and on the website. You'll see all those and all the little descriptions I gave with them. So you can go check them every day if you want to this week. They'll be there this afternoon. And you can go. Here's what I want you to do. Just dedicate this week, every morning, before, when you get up, like you're putting on your clothes, don't be a naked Christian. It should embarrass you as a Christian to walk out of the house without being clothed like this. Wake up, dress yourself with these things. And you won't just make a point, you'll make a difference. And when you make a difference, it changes who you are. Now, we're going to sing a song that you've already heard today. And um, after I heard it the first time, I went up and whispered in Rick's ear, Hey, can we do that for invitation instead of the old rugged cross? Yeah. This song's called Hold On first time you heard it is sort of a special music, I want you to sing it today. And if you don't know all the words or whatever, they're up on the screen, but you can just say the word hold on. And what I want you to do today is say that, is realize that there is a, a reason that you're here and it has a whole lot to do. In fact, second on Jesus' list, God's list for the things that are most important on your life after him are the people that you're sitting next to, the people that you're with, the people that God has put in your life. And I want to give you a chance today to say, God, I want to hold on to those people. I want to hold on to you and I want to be clothed. I want to look different. I want to dress different. I'll give you the chance to do that today. I'm going to be right back there in that corner. If you need a prayer this morning, I'd love to pray with you, but you don't need me. This is just between you and God today at first. And then it's between you and everyone you come in contact with. So I pray for a lot of things and for you and for, as a congregation. Here's what I prayed for you this week. And if this makes you mad, I'm sorry. Not really. 
<laughs> I prayed that every time you came up against an opportunity to love somebody for no reason this week, those of you who are following Jesus, if you're not following Jesus and you haven't accepted him, you're off the hook this week, okay? But if you claim you're following Jesus, I prayed this week, and I'm going to keep praying it every day as I clothe my own self. I'm going to pray that every time there's an opportunity for you to love somebody for no reason, that if you don't, you start really being uncomfortable. I think it's time for us to be uncomfortable. We're too comfortable with our lives. So I don't know if that means you're going to get fleas, start itching. I don't know what that means. I, that's up to God. I don't know how it is. And it's up to your relationship with God. But what I'm praying this week is that we step out of ourselves and step in to making a difference. Now, that's enough for me. Just between you and God today, sing this song.